John Bateman, right? Ball. Right. Can you go with Mitchell? Candace? Her name is Candace. Yeah, right. I had a class with her, but I failed it. Really? My type of guy. I wish I had a case of beer. Quesadilla? What? The quesadilla, Mexican food, El Sombrero? El Sombrero goes a long time ago. How about tomorrow night then? I'll buy. I don't know, dude. You'll buy? Totally buy. To the six, we be in the mix with that rare candy paint job on the whip. I need food for the kids, money for the rent. Fuck a lockdown, baby, I can't do that shit. And I don't never vote, cause I'm fucking broke. And either way, I know the police ain't gon' leave me alone. On a plane, by the visit Glen Rock, need crypto. Told me I should bring the Glock with me, so I packed up my piece and I'm sliding. Cause we might get caught up in a riot. Middle finger Trump, middle finger Biden. Fuck a left, fuck a right, is you riding? Oh, you love to see it. Rockin'. Ain't no politics, baby, we just talkin' From the birds to the bricks, we be in the mix With that rare candy paint job on the whip, who you with? Welcome back to the Gain of Fiction Lab. This is... Volumes. Yeah, it's volume 16. That's right, because the haters said he would never get the 16th. So they, they said that to me the other day. So it really stuck with me. Um, they're going to hate They're gonna hate it because it's going to go way higher than that number. But um, I'd rather them seethe because this lab is uh, closed. Uh, limited access. Uh, if you're here, thank you for the support. Um, thanks to all the Substack subscribers. We recently turned one uh, on there on that feed, uh, and that's that's been really cool. So we're keeping that going. Um, with me today, as as with every Brett Easton Ellis thing, is going to be Kelsey. Kelsey, I called you Kelsey. Um, Kelby Losack. You're not Kelsey. Here. Yeah, Kelsey. Well, Kelsey's gender neutral. My parents were actually going to name me that um, uh, as a boy. Like it was between that and something else. But yeah. Your name's Kelby. Oh, before they were, before they were for sure, which which one you were gonna be? They were saying either one was gonna be Kelsey, and then I was a boy, and then I guess they were like, we can't do that, you know? Like so, yeah, mm-hmm. it's crazy stuff. I was gonna be a tie. I was gonna be a tie, Christopher, and uh, my my grandmother made up a song that went tie Christopher to a tree and leave him there, and my parents were like, never mind. Yeah. So thanks. That's a grandma tank it. She probably didn't like the name. She didn't like the name, so she probably tanked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, we'll get rid of that name. Yeah, (laughs) but uh, sweet. So, um, before we get into this, before we get into this, let's um, tell me about God is wearing black. Yeah, so that's drop. Should be dropped, I think, by the time that this airs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Got about three weeks. Got about three weeks from what? We got about three weeks. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that's out. That's out. I'm really proud of it. Um, I say should be because I always have these drop dates and then shit like uh, get sent to the printer at the on the last day and all that kind of shit. And uh, I used to be spoiled because you could just do that and then immediately kind of have your shit come back to you within a few days. And now everything like infrastructure just doesn't exist in this country anymore. And so it takes forever to go through these processes. No, no. <laughs> but I, God is yeah. one black. I'm, mm-hmm. I hear you. I hear you, dude. I'm super. Pr- I, I'm I'm super proud of it. It's a 
probably is a lot of my best writing. Um, it is, I, I mean, I'm not going to call it a sampler package, even though it's a collection of short stories. I'm like almost 10 books in and this is my first collection. So it's like, there is a bunch, of, there is some old shit in there, but there's a lot of like brand new shit that's, it, it feels good dropping a collection this late in the game because I have like my voice honed and sharpened. And so there's, you know, stories about a, a dude with a face tattoo that functions as a coupon at a Waffle House mm-hmm. who is addicted to bath salts and uh, eats his homie's face off. There's a, there's a werewolf story in there. There's a story called Daddy's in a Snuff Film that mm. previously came out uh, a while back on the Lost Films Anthology that I reworked complete. I just kind of kept the title and just rewrote it because that title is so fucking badass. But I was like, this needs a gnarlier story than what I told before. So that one's fun. Uh, there's a, yeah, a lot of hood rat shit. There's also like some cowboy shit. There's uh, ghost dogs. Um, I'm proud of it. I can't wait for people to read it. And where can everybody find that? They can find it either at kelbylosek.bigcartel.com. I will be keeping a steady uh, shipment because I'm going to be going on tour, despite what the haters say. I've got some haters mm-hmm. coming out of the woodworks, too. Fuck. They're, not keeping me from, they're not keeping me from going around the world, baby. Uh, so I'm going to have a steady stock, uh, or you can go on Amazon. It'll be up there, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. So that that sounds good. Now, a couple things about short stories. I'm very much a, re- and this is going to lead to a point. I want to talk to you about something I heard recently on Agitator. I'd like to um, uh, ask you more about that. But I'm kind of a book reactionary. I want I want to go back. I think I think we had it right a long time ago with a lot of things. I love the classics. I love stuff like that. But well, I think one thing that's n- nobody could, even the most progressive writer in the world. I think we could all agree that the short stories need to make a comeback. Like short stories, collections, short stories should be published in things. They should be all, all these things should, should, should be everywhere. And I like I said, regardless of you know where you are politically or anything, none of that matters. I think that especially for now with people's attention span, we talked about this when we did that special on letting out the devils on uh, the RC YouTube channel. Uh, you want these these short, digestible things to get people back into maybe getting into the long form. Now, you uh, you love rap. Rap is, is definitely uh, a, a big part of what you do, what you write, what, you know, just your whole style and everything. Um, is this the mixtape to the album? You know, remember, remember mixtape? Everyone remembers this the mixtape era. Yeah. yeah. Lil Wayne had the best fucking like all my favorite Lil Wayne tapes are literally our mixtapes. No ceilings and fucking. Uh, God damn it. Was the oh, sorry for the wait whenever mm-hmm. uh, the Carter four. I think it was in between the Carter three and four, or maybe it was five. Uh, I think it was three that, or four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that was that was a while back. Yeah, that shit went so hard, and they they can rap over anybody's beats, so you can take like, uh, like the ooh walla walla ooh bang bang. Like you can rap over that. You can rap over fucking a biggie beat, like. You can rap over anything because you're just throwing it up for free. So, yeah. 
and yeah i like referring to my shit like that too like i consider this a mixtape yeah and, and, and that the, in that same spirit too it's not like you know it's not less than because it's a mixtape it's like i think this is some of the most fire shit that i've done but it's just me like being able to fuck around because it's just a collection oh it's not even i i think that's the true even in in when you flip it back onto the rap like directly i mean you talk about people who love wiz khalifa right I, still what's everyone's favorite wiz khalifa thing it's cushion orange juice right it's you ask any wiz fan right. they really actually are like bro like that was that was i'm not even the biggest wiz khalifa fan but that shit was just objectively good and it was on all the time summer time people played it for years and years and years even after he had new albums out after the black and yellow shit all that shit came out um just in the same way that like a lot of people's favorite philip k dick stuff is like short stories right like it's it, even even when they have even it doesn't hurt your career to do it right you might not the rappers didn't make the quite the money that they probably should have made that's why they're always doing this almost as auditions to be able to get that album deal to get that um signed or or whatever um but like I, it, it needs to make a comeback. I mean, it sucks now because you know you you don't. I was just you know the last episode was just that we just released was with um, uh, Ryan Simone and uh, Matt Fresta who both have you know magazines and and thank God for them. But like, really want these big yeah. places for where like you could just do little one offs, right? Because that's what Philip K. Dick would do. He would just do a bunch of speed and crank out like a bunch of these for like six months. And then be like, I'm living, bro. Like, I'm still paranoid as fuck because I'm crazy, but like, uh -huh. I'm living. I'm not stressing off the money. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you that much. Like, yeah, yeah. So we, we need that. That's the missing link. But I, I think it's That's good. What, to, uh, we need to do this more. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's what um, Simmons, you know, my Broken River mm -hmm. uh, compatriot. He, uh, he, he and I, he and I are writing something together too. We just were talking about it last night. And we're like. Uh, it's going to be short, but it's going to be more like a little novella uh, slash we're going to turn it into a screenplay type thing, too. But he came a lot like I did. Like, we both just came off the streets under this shit. Like, we were already writing and shit. Like, we were the mm -hmm. weirdos writing in the trap house. And he, but he brought this mentality to it of, like, I'm going to make money off like straight out the gate i was always just kind of an art fag i was like you know i just i write that's what i do i didn't really think about money with it to begin mm -hmm. with but he was like uh yo how how do i crank these joints out and make some money off of this shit so he's like always looking for he's sending places to submit and shit so he's got me on the short story train because he'll almost nightly lately he's like hey this place they're paying like you can make like 400 dollars. so i'm like shit okay i'll write something so yeah man it's it's the way to do it it's the way to do it um so so uh you know you're also the if anybody doesn't know this by now i'm sure they do but let's just say that people are revisiting this a year from now and and um, aren't, aren't maybe rare candy is uh uh in a completely different place that's what's beautiful about covering these these classic works of fiction is that people can just find them and at any time so let's say this is the first time anyone's ever you know, heard you or at least heard you on a show. Uh, you are the co-host of a great podcast called Agitator. And recently, though, it won't be so recent by the time this came out. I thought it was interesting. You know, anytime I hear my name perk up, uh, you know, thing, I, I listen extra hard. Right. When 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 my name comes up, on it. And, uh, David and you were talking about um, whether old shit is good because it's old. 
right? Like, and mm-hmm. I, I, I thought this was fascinating um, because I was wondering, I'm like, do I like it because it's old? Because there's a lot of people, right? It's almost a, a default sentiment to be like, there's nothing good anymore. You know, there's nothing good that's right. new anymore. And I've, I'm guilty of it for sure, uh, the, though that is changing. But um, I, was, I was laughing because David was like, my favorite, my favorite movie is Fight Club. I'm like, David, that's fucking old. <laughs> like, like, I, I know, I know. Yeah. You are that guy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. There's, there's agitator yeah. listeners that were not born in 1999 yet. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> There's a good amount of them, bro. We got some youngins up in the group. They're like, uh, it's funny. I, f- I feel like people's dad oftentimes, like, well, I mean, I am a dad, but my kids are like, hey, dad, right? You know, like knee high and shit. But mm-hmm. these kids, these like Zoomers come in and go like, oh, wow, we're learning so much, you know? And then we're like, yeah, we like new movies like Fight Club. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> that's a classic <laughs> that's vintage bro <laughs> hey man but but that but i think that i think there that was the that's the middle ground right is like you love the shit that's like from like a little before you were born to like a little maybe shit that you were maybe too young for when it came out like i was too young for fight club like uh, uh, um when it came out uh but like i think that's that's where people gravitate to the most um my my issue with the stuff made now is that it's not that people I think it's just the medium in which we consume it is not ever meant for something to be timeless. I don't think I don't think Fight Club as a movie was made by Fox as to be timeless. It was clearly meant to make a bunch of money. They spent one hundred and forty million dollars on it to to make the movie. But and um, it flopped and it flopped. Right. Which is which is crazy, because like then I started going meta. I'll get to that in a sec. But like, I guess the idea is that if you make a bunch of thing i i think i think now you it doesn't make it doesn't make sense to make anything timeless at all i think now we need to be in like it, it's quantity mode right that's why i do podcasting like it's because it's like you can you can go quantity in podcasting it just just keep going and going and going unless you do some like crazy true crime thing you can do as many as you want but i think when something like writing especially long form it's like I can clearly see when I go. I went to Barnes and Noble for the first time in a while. It was the first non-used bookstore I'd been to in a long time, and I was just like looking at some of the stuff, and I was like, "This is meant to be made in twenty, read in twenty twenty three, and never any other year." You know what I mean? Like I can yeah. clearly see it. You know, I can see, and that and there's nothing wrong with that. But like, I, I just, I just, I, the way I view time is so different than any anything else. So I'm obsessed with finding the old stuff in the same way that when I made beats and all this stuff, I was sample based. I ended up falling in love with so much music as I was stealing it. You know what I mean? Which is essentially what I'm doing with classic literature. <laughs> and now, you know, like it's like <laughs> taking ideas, realizing that my, nothing I've ever said was original. It's all in this old shit. Even if it's, even if I'm coming at it in more of a repackaging it in a way that other people can listen to much more than having whom whom first all these weird words in it like in the 18th century and stuff but i i it, realizing that it's that but i don't know that the stuff made now ha- is ever going to have that effect i i just maybe i'm wrong but and uh present company excluded but i mean the mainstream stuff yeah oh yeah no the mainstream stuff but that's also why it's like like that doesn't work for books because books mm-hmm. are supposed to have a shelf life and I think that's a major reason that the publishing industry, like the mainstream publishing industry is crumbling because they're not, cons- they're trying to be trendy with like, mm-hmm. and I get from a business angle, I get it yeah. with like movies and shit, especially on a streaming platform. So you're like, you could be looking at your phone 
when you're scrolling through movies to watch and you're scrolling through Twitter. So they try to make it the same, you know, catch in the same way. But with books, it's like you're still going to a bookstore or you had to hear about the book or you're interested in reading. So why like you don't want that shit to just be like relevant to right now? Like that doesn't make any sense. Plus, people got to read it. People hit like when people come to my shit, it is often uh, unless they just caught on to my shit from the last thing that I dropped, they'll be like, hey, I just read hurricane season which came out mm-hmm. almost three years ago now so it's like things take a while yeah. to like in in the world of literature so that's uh yeah no that that that's a failing game to try and to try and not be you got to go timeless even if you're a time capsule type of because Brady stanellis that's what i am yeah mm-hmm. is very time capsulated but it's timeless in the way that it's depicted. Like, like we said with less than zero, I felt the same way reading uh, rules of attraction where I was like, man, I, like I said, I had only read American psycho before. Mm -hmm. And I just thought like, I fucked with, I was like, that's a good book. But beyond that, I didn't think Mm -hmm. much further into it. Like him as an author or whatever. I was like, he's a good writer. I like this book, but he's been such an influence to me because he's influenced so many other authors who have influenced me like his like even though the content is of a certain period it lasts yeah yeah i i didn't know that i was i didn't know i was influenced by fyodor dostoevsky until i read him and like i like truly and it's because all of 70s depressing to 70s like incel i hate myself and i want to die movies it's all dostoevsky it, it was everybody was selling dostoevsky influenced scripts schrader all these guys were writing these things because notes from the underground which we're doing this is the next gain of fiction uh notes from the underground taxi driver all the you know all these things that became that but i didn't know i didn't know that until until i read him you know what i mean and then i'm like holy shit not only not only is it, not only is this influential to me i think it is me this is how i think you know like this is how like i'm i'm doing seven points at once and try to tie them in together with the final sentence like i'm my mind's racing and i'm constantly looking to slow it down but then I, once it slows down i wonder why it's slow you know and then i start freaking out about that like i do i that's who i am and and but then i i got that message secondhand through 70s film which is still my favorite uh decade uh really of everything just uh, of anything art i mean like the sports old sports from that era and stuff so i but you're, you're so right about freddie sinellis and that's perfect uh for the segue nobody on the road nobody on the beach
attraction. Now, I don't have a cool book cover to show you guys today because my thrift books came without the dust jacket. <laughs> I, I took an L. I took an L. I took an L on that one. And I learned, I learned, I love thrift books. I will get a thrift books tattoo if they sent me, if they just, if they just subsidized my fucking um, book uh, ordering. If, if they did that, I, I would, I would, I'd get a tattoo, maybe a neck one right here. I'll cut the hair, get a neck one. Um, we could, we can talk, but, uh, this is Brady Stanellis, second novel. Um, now when I first decided I wanted to get into Brady Stanellis and it was, uh, I think it might've been when, when Jack went on and I listened and I was like, holy shit, like this guy's awesome. Like, I mean, Jack yeah. of course is, but like, I was like, this guy's fucking awesome. Like I love, I I'm, I'm a sucker for good interviewers. I, he's the best interviewer. He's the, he's the, he's like Charlie Rose. Now he's the closest thing we have to Charlie Rose right now. But, um, then I was, uh, when I was talking to some people, they were like, actually they're like all his books stand alone, but it's most effective to read them all in order. I said, well, perfect. Sounds good. That's exactly what we're going to do. So, uh, I picked lesson zero and I remember reaching out to you cause I thought it'd be funny to read like a druggy, like fucked up party book, you know, like, um, but little did I know that then when I hadn't even read your work yet, I read that and I, I, I felt Brady Stanellis in your work. You didn't read really have much going on, uh, when with him in that, in that, uh, when you wrote that book, uh, letting out the devils, but I just, I laugh, I just, I laugh. It's all, it's all there. I think this is, this is another book that, again, in the unheard, I, I read an interview on the unheard. And I think that one of the, one of the, uh, one of the, I think one of the writers or some, some critic or something was saying like, yeah, the only thing that sucks is like his books don't age as well is because all these cultural references. I'm just like, I can't imagine reading a book that way and just being like, oh, did he just say Peter Gabriel? Oh, did he just say the police like as his band? I'm like, who gives a fuck? Switch it. Switch it to young Jeezy. If you're getting raped at a college party, switch it to that. Does it make you feel better? Because that shit still all this shit in this book happened when I was in fucking college. Straight up, like all this shit was happening. Even I know it's absurdist. Obviously, like there's parts of it that were other thing. But like the dynamics between people, people talk the same. I don't know what Zoomers do, but oh, like yeah. with millennials, like they, this, we all talk just like what was in this book. So I, um, we were going super fast now, but what, uh, reading this, I, we, you and I, we, we did it like quick. It was not really on the list. I had to add it to the list. I was going to save it, but I don't, I don't want to save his books. I want to go through his books as kind of a mini series. Now, when you read this book, what was going through your mind? It was so I experienced it in a kind of chaotic way because I was reading it. And then uh, I've been, you know, I've been door dashing and shit on top of like auditioning and putting in like freelance gigs and like all that kind of shit. I've been uh, in, in major hustler mode. So I was like, I might have to listen to the audio book. So then I found this really great audio book uh, was recorded in the 90s. So it still has like that kind of textured tape feel to it. And it's narrated by like three different people. So they do different voices for the oh, uh, different cool. narrators. It was such like a major respect to that, especially working in like audiobooks and shit. Like that's, I was like, damn, this is tight. Uh, and, but in the middle of reading slash listening to it, I also watched the movie. Mm-hmm. So I was just getting like a, a like all of the debauchery and my first impression of it was like, this is anti less than zero. Like less than zero is 
the polar opposite of this book in the sense that like they're kind of the same if you look at them upside down but there there's different where less than zero was detached and cold and like myopic rules of attraction is like over the top emotion like mm -hmm. everybody is in love with everybody like everything is so hardcore there's like three suicides in this book <laughs> oh i know it's so funny how um you, you you nailed it I, it's exactly what it is less than zero all the characters don't give a fuck right even clay to an extent is kind of like i'm just trying to get the fuck out of here i i care a little bit but i'm trying to get the hell out of here clay later shows up in rules of attraction which is very funny but uh the the when but but the narrator or, but you know clay's voice right on the page kind of cares right the brady stanellis he says like uh he wrote this because you know when he wrote less than zero when he was 16 years old which is still insane to me but um <laughs> like he he wrote that when he was 16 years old and he kind of he kind of cared right he and when people people think that we talked about this last time that like laughing at things means you don't care but i i to be honest if i can't laugh with you or about you or at you and vice versa that means i really don't care about you most of the time or don't feel comfortable around you so i think when he's comfortable writing about a subject when the humor comes through i think that's that's great about it you know that's what that's what makes his book so great is that they for every moment of terror there's some of the funniest laugh out loud stuff like truly laugh out loud um, especially in, in rules of attraction because in rules of attraction Brady Stanellis's voice in there doesn't care he he's able to take characters stories and package them to you in a sense where you can read it as a 30 year old man and go what the fuck is this guy so worried about you know what I mean but it's, <laughs> yeah. it, it, feels, it feels so like to them and we've and I've been in that scenario like the 21 year old scenario where you think this one conversation with somebody is going to make or break the, your entire life you know I've been there um, I care much less about that now but it's uh, I'm glad I didn't read this when I was in my 20s I wish I read less than zero in high school I'm glad I didn't read rules of attraction until I was in my 30s because it, it you were able to sit back and just kind of sit by the you know fireplace with your little pipe and be like these fucking idiots in this book you know like it's 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 really good it's also like people say all the time like this is a satire about whatever or it's making a commentary on this or that and Brady Stanellis really is a satirist mm -hmm. but I feel like people don't like if you think you know the definition of that word and you've never read Ellis you don't know what you're talking about and go read Ellis like this is a satire it's because what I mean what is it it's usually a, like a blanket term for when something is uh has no balls right like when they're they're kind of toeing yeah. the line between being edgy but they're like oh it's just a satire you know like it, it's like a uh it's like a get out of jail free card for people who toe the line they're like no i was just making a commentary on toxic masculinity or something and, yeah uh, but real satire is this like relatable shit it's shit that you see and you go yeah i know that but it's like the absurdist factor is cranked up a little bit to where you're just like, what the fuck? Like somebody slits their wrists and then you're laughing hysterically. <laughs> yeah. And and I think the I think absurdist is much I, I, I think one of the reasons I like our, you know, gain of fiction and agitator as well. Like when you guys talk about books, you're not you don't need like 10 terms to describe something, which I which I think is where a lot of people 
really mess up when they when they it'll it, it turns you into a critic more than more than a reader i think when you already decide that something's a satire something's this something's that i just opened the book and i was ready to be entertained and i was ready to listen to what he had to tell mm-hmm. me and that and that was all it was i picked up on it immediately what what he was doing in the book um i think i think satire you're right and especially in c- contemporary culture it's definitely like dirtbag irony kind of like i can say it because i'm joking you know and i want everyone to have health care and i actually have perfect sweetie politics you know that that is where it is i think i think you know satire i i could have this wrong but like jonathan swift like gulliver gulliver's travels in like the 17 1700s he was you know i i think that i think brett easton ellis is actually more of that um than he would be a modern day satirist um like a stephen colbert kind of like kind of guy i think back back in the uh Back in like the Jonathan Swift days where he was just like taking this the concept of like, you know, materialism and all these other things and just making funny stories out of it. But I don't I don't know that, that Brady Sinellis is really taking a lot of concepts and flipping them on their head. I think he's taking people. He's writing about people like it's a person that everyone knows. Yes. Right. Unless, unless you're a fucking academic dork, which is why they struggle with him. I think a lot of times if you're if you're an actual academic like even though this might be your closest your actual closest way to relate with them because it's college kind of not really though like but if you're like this like dorky academic person you don't know any of these people less than zero probably does read as like a big satire to you because you're like that no but you've never been in those situations right and and, um but yeah i i think i think it's exactly i think you had it exactly right it's like everybody's got an opinion on him before they ever read him which I think kind of helps him because you eventually, you know, that's helped him sell a lot of books. But also, I think it scares people away. I think some people, you know, it's in the same way of like Michael Crichton, where it'll be like, oh, well, Michael Crichton's characters don't ever have arcs. Uh, You know, he's really more of like a, you know, concept writing about a concept. He's not really like a literary guy. And you're just like, pick up the fucking book and read it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) Like, just pick it up. Just pick it up and read it. Why are you acting like this is so hard to do? It wasn't hard for you to fucking write your dissertation without ever reading something or getting it from a salon article or something like like it, just pick him up and read it. Like I, it's so weird. Well, especially because like I think our generation has such trouble coming to uh, literature and shit because even if they've been reading forever, like writers especially are the worst about it because they feel like because everybody's a content creator they got to be inspired by it or influenced by it. It's like, how is this going to rub off on me? It's like, just read the fucking book. Like, I don't write like Crichton because I read Spear. Like, I just, no. it, it just read the book. <laughs> yeah, read the book. Read the book. It's it's like, just pick it up and read it. For me, I, I think I, I was really tentative about, I was this was very much an experiment. Like, it was going to be a year-long experiment, gain of fiction. I'm probably going to do it for the rest of my fucking life now because I love it. Um, but, like... I remember at the beginning, I was like, well, I don't know what I still don't know what prose is like. I don't like I couldn't define that word for you. So people aren't going to want to listen to that. But every there's people who are actually writers that will hit me up and be like, no, dude, it's the most refreshing thing in the world to hear somebody who doesn't really like factor in all these like dumb academic terms. And I submit to everything I read. I don't care what it is. I, it could be the back of a Lysol bottle. You know what I mean? I fucking submit to everything that I read um, and that I, the millennial and Zoomer generation 
they're all taught to sit there with a red sharpie and just be like, hmm, didn't that didn't work. That didn't work. That didn't work. I, I, I'll put you right now. If we were reading this book and I was like, yo, bro, this is ass. Do you like it? And you were like, no, like 10 pages in, you're like, no, it's ass. I'd be like, let's read something else because I don't want to do a two hour podcast on some shit that I don't like. You know, that's a waste yeah. of fucking time yeah, yeah, yeah. rather than rather than reading sat satirists, you know, like that to me is a, is a waste of time. Or they, they even think that, like, if they enjoy it, for example, I know maybe I shouldn't I probably shouldn't say his name. I want to get him in trouble. But like somebody I know who got accepted into a magazine, they came back with all these edit like hardcore edits. And it's like do they just want to validate their job or what he, cause he shared just to be like, how do I respond to this? Like you're changing the whole story at this point. Like I wrote it that way for a reason. I'm not changing it. And he ended up pretty much saying that like emailing back, like if you want to pull it, whatever, but like, this is why I wrote it this way. And they were like, Oh yeah, cool. So it is just like in it's the way that they approach a lot of people approach this shit. It's just with that red sharpie, like you said. It's like now, what do I change? Just accept it. Just like trust that it went into print. So that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah, that's that's it's it is what it is. Like, and I it allows me to enjoy more things, which you know some people could be like, because I, I don't. Uh, what I'm doing is not book review. This is not book review. This is a. Uh, this is just sort of like a retrospective on people on stuff that I like. And I'm picking a lot of titles that are pretty well liked by everybody. It's going to it's going to eventually funnel down into more niche things and stuff. That's just the way the way it goes. But um, no, I, I think um, when you talk about editing, too, I was wondering how you how he talks about it. There's a really good episode. And you and I are going to do something on Apollonic pretty soon, too. But um, it was this conver- Brady Sinellis' conversation with Chuck Polinick, which is actually free on his audio feed. It's from like 2019 or 2020 or something. Uh, it's a free conversation. Excellent, excellent interview uh, between two guys that are like, I, I guarantee you, reader, if you have Brady Sinellis books on your bookshelf, you probably have Polinick books on your bookshelf. Like, it's definitely they're yeah. definitely uh, like can be enjoyed by the same people. Absolutely. But they're also, there's completely different guys when you hear them talk. Like it's like Polinick is much more reserved as a speaker. Like he's, he's very like, he straight up said to Brady Sinellis, he was trying to like, Brady Sinellis was trying to get him to say something controversial. Cause he's just kind of a shithead like that. And he was trying to get him to uh, like, Hey, what do you think of Trump? You know, like what else? Chuck Polinick's like, you know what I'm fucking here for? I'm here to sell books, Brett. He's like, I'm not fucking here to talk about, you know, uh, <laughs> to talk about Trump. He's like, I'm fucking here on a publishing tour. I'm here on a book tour. I'm sorry. He goes, I like you. I love you, man. Like, we'll talk about off camera, man. But like, he's like, I'm yeah. here to sell he's books. like, my new, my new wave of readers are blue haired Zoomers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Do not want to hear me like, talk yeah. about Trump. hundred <laughs> percent. And so they probably don't even like that. I'm on this show right now, you know, like, but, yeah. but anyways, yeah. he, 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 uh, they, they both had the same editor on a couple of books. And um, I don't know if he was talking about rules of attraction, but Brady Sinell's books do kind of have a lot of this. He kind of has his way of speaking through either one narrator, one character, two, a couple different characters. Um, but he was saying that his biggest problem with being edited, it's never like it hardly ever is like, you know, hey, take this rape scene out, bro. Like that's that's a little too much. He, a lot of times he'll be like, yeah, you're probably right, bro. Let, let's let, let's take that out. That's probably a little bit much. He had, ran into some issues with American Psycho, which that we'll read that one next. But uh, he ran into some editing issues there. But he was like, the problem I always had, he's like, I don't want my characters to have perfect grammar or like think coherently. He's like, so my editor mm-hmm. will send me like, 
hey, Lauren shouldn't, this doesn't, these two sentences don't go hand in hand. He goes, yeah, but Lauren's tripping right now. He's like, Lauren is, yeah. is tripping out. And like, he's like, I still think this makes sense to the reader. So yeah, I found that really interesting about, about, about that. Um, you know, just, I guess as the last thing before we actually really get into the book. Oh, and especially rules of attraction. It's like, Hey, you start in the middle of a sentence and then you don't end. You, you just trail off. <laughs> like I've heard, I've seen where a lot of people thought they got some kind of misprint of the book. Yeah. They're like, does this, uh, did anybody else have like a missing page or something? And it's I, like, and no. that's, yeah, that's the trolling. That's the trolling element of, of Brady Sinellis, I think a lot of times like is 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 in there. But um, so to summarize the book a little bit, uh, it's about uh, mainly three narrators. And, it, and it, it is marked in bold who is speaking at the time, unless it's the mysterious uh, suicide girl um, leaving notes in Sean's box. But you have Sean, Lauren and Paul mainly are, are mainly your narrators. Um, and they're all living very close to each other. Similar backgrounds, rich kids in, at an art school, kind of floundering around, changing their major every like 20 minutes. Um, all, I love all their little classes that they take, the, these like fake ass classes. I forgot to write out some of the names, but it's always just like, you know, dumb, like uh, feminism and all in the family or like some dumb like thing. That, like <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I took a Simpsons. I took a Simpsons in sociology class one time when my two years of college, I I took like their faith. These classes exist for sure. There's probably more of them now. But uh, they um, Sean is is a drug dealer. Right. And he's he's kind of uh, he's from a rich family, but he lies about it. Apparently, again, you actually don't know who's telling the truth in this book. That's what's beautiful about it is you're getting stories from three different people kind of experiencing the same thing, crossing paths here and there, but like they could, one of them could straight up be lying or both could straight up be lying. And it could be some way more in the middle thing that happened. Um, but yeah, it's Sean. Sean is the, is the drug dealer kind of guy uh, just going around. He always says rock and roll. He's just, he's, he's fucked like every girl except the one that he wants to. And, um, and then you have Paul. <laughs> yeah. he, and every yeah, time he notices a chick, every time he notices a chick, he goes, I wonder why I haven't fucked her. Did mm -hmm. I fuck her? I fucked her. Like that's how he every time he mentions a female character, it's like I fucked her once. Why haven't I fucked her? <laughs> I want Dude, to fuck her. Sean is is hilarious because and and you'll 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 notice this is a bit of a different episode because I do kind of go linearly through the plot in a lot of books, but this, you can't really do that in this book. So it's kind oh. of more through through each character. Uh, so um, if you read it, you totally understand. If you haven't read it. Uh, please read it it's great you can you can get done with it really fast but there's a um i really i really like this one passage from sean Brady Snell. this is one thing i've realized about about uh Brady Snellis is that he's from an era where like yeah he's from la where like maybe one of the first areas where you could be like a, a gay boomer you know like or like gen x gay but like also he was not really out um publicly for quite a while and um that I think that then if you're a writer, I think that's actually a good thing because you're you it forces you to hang out with way more straight people 
and he really understands the way straight men think like it is crazy like because i think he mm-hmm. does he is a way more of a like a masculine gay guy so i think he has way more of that brain but he has there's this one i don't even remember the context of this i think he's just he's just at a you know moving around at a party but uh it's sean he says the girl's name is candace i'm standing by the keg with tony who's giving getch a long speech on the effects of drinking too much beer and i watch her block mitch allen out of my line of vision She's dressed too nicely for a Friday night party, and out here on the commons, on the commons lawn, she looks classy, really nice, maybe too conservative and uptight in that jappy sort of way, but also in a good, sexy way. Like you look at her, like you know she'd be wild in bed or something. At any rate, she looks too good for Mitch, who isn't really all that handsome as far as I can tell. He always reminded me of the high school dork who was trying too hard. I wonder if she really likes fucking him. Then I maybe then I think maybe they're not even fucking. Maybe I can just go over there and start talking to her. Maybe she'll accept my offer and tell Mitch she'll, she'll see him later. And it's just like this idea of like she's hot, but like not hot enough. But her not being that hot probably means she can fuck. Like it's just, uh, dude. It's it's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's everything. Mm-hmm. And see, you don't you don't get that kind of shit when you're hung up on pros. I would argue like. It's it's a lame like route rabbit hole to go to. Like I don't want to talk about pros, but like I would argue that Brady Snellis is a great like a master stylist. His pros great, great, mm-hmm. great. But if you were hung up on like this academic like this way that you're supposed to write or whatever, you don't get that kind of shit from. That's how people talk. That's how they think. And that's what he's put. He's not concerned with being like, I'm such a great writer. He's concerned with like, this is how this narrator is telling this story. Yeah. And and it's weird because as I, I feel like when people get, get into film, I'm, I'm getting way, I, I like understand how to watch movies now more like to where like, I don't need the plot to be perfect. Like, I feel like people that get hung up on plot a lot. I think that that leads to like the death of a lot of like film. I think, I think, I think as long as, everything ties together perfectly in the like Colonel mustard with the candle in the lobby. This is how it happened. Like that I think kind of ruins a lot of movies, but as you grow as a person that watches film, you understand how little that matters. And it's the journey getting you there. It's the beauty of it. It's the, it's the characters. It's the, it's certain scenes, certain shots that look cool. And you, you understand that it's just a vibe being at the theater. Nobody can people when they, when they become smarter and reading and writing and all that stuff, they, they, they throw all that logic out the window when it comes to reading a book. Like they're like, no, no, no. I have more rules now for my book. You know, like <laughs> yeah. after I'm like, no, 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 no. The draw this shit is hilarious and and well written. It's real. It, like people, I I don't even know how absurd. I think some events that happen in this book are absurd. None of their thoughts are that absurd. No, no. It, even the events are like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I exactly. think the most. True. <laughs> I, I mean, I do. I do really love how. So there are some moments, and this one got. I won't say butchered, like they didn't mess it up in the movie, but it felt a little more believable. Like the character was just being weird, but it was more of a realistic like depiction. Wherein the as in the book, when they go to the hospital when mm-hmm. homeboy ODs, it is like Lynchian surreal, like what the fuck is happening? Like yeah. they step into this hospital where the doctor is just like he he's like your friend is dead and they're like no he has a pulse what are you he's like i can't help him he's dead 
and then mm-hmm. when he when he's like oh where am i what am i doing and he's like you know he comes to and he's talking and he's like oh my god he's talking but he's dead he can't be talking he's dead <laughs> it's like what is happening right now yeah a thousand percent and that's brady Snell's being a horror connoisseur that's like he was a stephen king fan growing up that was like what he what he was 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 a stephen king reader and like loved the exorcist like all he was like his he he talks tells all these stories uh r.i.p william freakin by the way but like uh the 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 he talks about like how long it took for him to go see the exorcist because he was like nine when it came out but like his parents were rich and had this like crazy crazy like cable add-on channel that would show any movie uncut a year after it came out so like that was how he ended up watching the exorcist he was that was like his first love i think was like horror and i think he's just such an edgelord that like the fact that horror could spike a certain emotion in you that that's what drew him to that but it comes out in his books like the suicides and all that stuff like some of that stuff is written in like a horror fashion even if you're laughing a little bit it's like wow this is really scary you know like it's like it's very it's very odd and like and and uh like it gives you some flashbacks to like fuck dude i've kind of like been in a similar situation like it kind of gets you a little anxious about it um but yeah it's it's i think with uh with the sean character is so funny um he one of my the first great scenes with sean is when he's trying to collect money from mark um at the beginning in the in the book and he's trying to he's trying to collect and because uh rupert's on his ass um and and he's He's out, out, you know, 1987, you're out about 500 bucks as a college kid. Like, I don't care what kind of money you come from. Um, and later in the book, you find out, like, he's been getting wired, like, 7K to his bank account and shit for, like, <laughs> like that's, because, that's so funny. Yeah, that shit is so funny. Because he's Sean Bateman, which is, okay, here's how, here's why you need to read them in order. Because that punchline, mm-hmm. when you get to it, hits so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I don't know how you get to this book without knowing about Patrick Bateman and shit, but it still hits perfectly when it's like, oh, he comes from this family. And then knowing who Patrick Bateman is when he's interacting with his brother, you're like, wow. And, <laughs> and, and he's I'll, going around yeah. telling people, I don't have the money, bro. Like, yeah. I know. And I, and I love the, um, and I, I, I think I, I, I'm, I think I bookmarked the Patrick passage in here. It's unbelievable. And, um, but the, uh, but when he's, when he's, uh, trying to collect money from this like grateful dead guy, who's shooting up heroin in the room while, while like has no respect for Sean, like whatsoever, like no fear or anything like, which, which is, kind of funny that's kind of how college drug dealers are <laughs> like you're just kind of like the dog like you you're not gonna kill me bro <laughs> like like we're in co- we're in art class we're in art school somebody's gonna come kill you bro like it's <laughs> that's what's gonna happen like you're a middleman bro like it's all bad and <laughs> it's actually the worst thing you could be doing right now and uh <laughs> but but the um there's a guy uh he has a he has a Marcus talking about his friend uh, resin and and the whole time and I've been in this situation too. Sean is just like bro, just give me the money. I, you are not interesting in the slightest, bro. And this guy wants to be like philosophical, down five hundred to him, and shooting heroin. And he's like, uh, resin thinks Indira Gandhi lives in the Welling House. Mark smiles. He says he says he followed her from the dining hall to Welling. Can you can you dig that? He gets up and barely makes it to the bed and falls on it, rolling his sleeves down. He looks around the room, smoking the filter now. Um, he says, rolling back, you've got money. Come on, I say. Can, can't you lend me a couple bucks? He looks around the room, flips open an empty, empty pizza box and squints at me. No, 
I'm a financial aid student, man. I need some money. I plead just five bucks. Sean's lying here. That's what's funny. And uh, <laughs> he closes his eyes and laughs. I'm good for it, is all he says. Resin wakes up and starts talking to the ashtray. Mark warns me that I'm fucking up his karma. I leave. Junkies are pathetic enough, but rich junkies are even worse. Even worse than girls. <laughs> that, shit, that shit that is bars dude like if you don't think that's good writing you fuck off that shit is like that and, th- and this is like the genesis of like a lot of shit that came out after that like people who I'm, i won't say stole his style because you can't this shit is only him but like have taken that and, and gone places with it but people just like they kind of just like Crichton, they kind of like throw him in this weird like anomaly box where you're like yeah you're not like a real writer though you know, like you're Crichton, you write techno thrillers that become blockbuster movies. That's what you do. But like, we're not going to put you in the conversation with, you know, these other big, big names that, that get much more praise. But like Brady Sinellis is in the same way. But like, if you read that shit, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cra- oh, crazy. Like, like kind of uh, synchronicity with them is like mm-hmm. Crichton had all these blockbusters and then so did Ellis. And I wonder if that does play a factor a little bit into like you know well they you know they're the guys who had movies based off of their shit you know it's like Mm -hmm. yeah but the books stand on their own yeah he had the director on um or one one of the writers from american psycho uh um she's the girl that plays the redhead like chick in the movie when he eats her pussy and bites it off and shit mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah that's the girl he had on guinevere turner he had her on his pod one time and like it's funny like she there's an insane conversation about how she views american psycho as like a feminist like comment on toxic masculinity and he's just like yeah yeah that's what it is and, uh, and then, uh, yeah, yeah he's like cool thanks for adapting my book you know but it's uh he he the way he uh he he talks with her like it's i don't know he's he's just he says like he understands like he's tough to adapt right and he realizes how slow everything moves in hollywood and like american psycho was adapted before rules of attraction and stuff so Mm -hmm. when he's when he's talking to her she she was like she was at this school in the 80s he, it's brought up in the book. It's called Sarah Lawrence. I had never heard of it, but they, they it's kind of like one of the rival schools to this Camden University that they're at. Um, but she was at, she was at real life Sarah Lawrence in the 80s, a little behind when he was at Bennington, I believe it was. And she was saying, oh, I uh, she was like and everybody was just talking about who's it? Why is this guy so fucking famous? Like it was like there's like a little bitter hater jealousy people of him. He peaked. He got famous when he was young and he saw success in real time. And like, didn't really have to like, he didn't really have to. Um, also, I think I think people also hated the freedom that he had. I think too to kind of just be a fucking shithead and not do, um, you know, fake shit like publicity mm-hmm. stuff. I'm sure he had to do a little bit of that, but I think fans were craving his writing to come out in his speech, whereas somebody else kind of has to play a little game. Like, oh, these are just ideas I put in the book. Like, no, he can live his books. He was like doing coke up until like fucking like. 10 years ago bro like he was, yeah, dude yeah. was like dude was a wild boy like uh i mean i don't oh, know if that's bro, true yeah i, I don't know mm-hmm. shouts no nah, no nah, for real that is true shouts out uh chris sacknesson who uh it co-hosts david's other podcast lost explorers yeah he, one one of his weird little jobs back in the day was like sort of a Brady stanellis wrangler he he he'd be the guy who was like wow. hey 
you you have to go like it's time to get in the limo and go to this place like stop like dust your nose off and shit like you still good bro you still good we need the narcan <laughs> dude that's i mean amazing dennis rodman used to have guys on the chicago bulls that earned an nba salary on as a roster spot didn't play but had to make sure like rodman put a rubber on you know what i mean like at the party the night before it was like a very <laughs> It was a very 90s thing, like, you know, protect, protect the asset, you know, and uh, um, yeah, but it was yeah. nowadays you just have social media, really. It's like all but like make sure that guy doesn't say that on social media, you know, like like posting has to be sent through you kind of thing. Like, so it's, it's a bit different. But um, Brayston Ellis was talking about uh, he had uh, what's her name? Shannon Sossaman, the one that plays Lauren in the movie. He had her on his mm-hmm. uh, podcast, the one with the Anna Kachian haircut. Uh, and she, she, great, great hair. it's so funny, dude. How like, it was like, y'all cool. Red scare was existing in 2002. That's sick. And, uh, and, uh, yeah. she, I was like, that's nothing's new, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, at least the style, cause it's pretty funny. It was, it was, it was like, as soon as we w- looked at me, my wife says, she goes, that looks like that one girl from the podcast. Like, I was like, yeah, it does. Huh? And, uh, but she was on <laughs> and they both hated that they had to do director commentary for the DVD or like uh commentary that back in the, like, the, the special features golden age. And like, she, I guess, um had to do it but she like didn't want it and she's just like that's just not the way i like roll and stuff and but then he, he brady snell's was like oh yeah he's like i didn't look at my calendar like for a while and realized like that i had to do a, a commentary he goes and i was partying hard dude he's like i was getting home like at like you know eight, whatever a.m and then I look at my calendar and he's like, rules of attraction direct. He's like, oh, fuck. He's like, I got to call in sick for that. We got to reschedule like the commentary. And I guess the person was like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. We have the studio for a fucking day. You're coming down and doing this shit, bro. All you have to do is watch the movie and just talk, say your thoughts on it. And he's like, and he was like, bro, he's like, I put tequila in a Diet Coke can and had, he goes, and I had a little something in my pocket, you know, the, the, that's, <laughs> you know, just, just had to keep the turn up going a little longer. And then, uh, and then he's like, he goes, bro, and he goes, I was like, gacked out he's like i'm he's like look at that clock in the scene holy shit like you know like just stuff like that. And it didn't, it didn't all of it like they didn't even put him on the thing which means it had to have been bad bro like because even for Brady sinellis like everyone's expecting a little wiry like kind of wired crazy guy um commentary and like really patrick bateman-esque like description of things but uh he was like yeah we got this is 2002 this dude was, this dude was born the same year as my mom you know, like, like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's crazy, but, uh, yeah. Um, uh, just say, like more things about Sean, um, Sean, then, uh, so Sean, uh, there is a, a fun little triangle aspect uh, that unites all the characters other than just being, you know, bohemian rich college kids. Um, Sean realizes, you know, after a while he like really wants Lauren, Lauren, um, Lauren is missing her boyfriend or, what she thinks is her boyfriend in Europe named Victor. <laughs> and uh, then, um, but then Paul, who has already fucked around with Lauren a bunch of times, but he's gay. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, but is like the best looking guy, of course, like is just like, just, which I, this is, I, I think it's pretty funny. Like, I was like, this is totally like Brady Sinellis, like auto fiction here. Like, uh, yes, you know, yeah, yeah, trying to be like, totally. this is me. This is me. Uh, I'm the gay, honest guy. Yeah. this bitch. I can take <laughs> your lot. bitch. I don't. I can take your bitch, but I'll only do it so you don't get her. So I can hit you later. Like I can hit your shit later. Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine that's, having? That's honestly 
we'll never reach that level of alpha because we're straight. No. That, that's yeah. like you can't get more alpha than that. You're a dude who's like, I want to fuck this other dude. And I could take the bitch. And I did. similar to Lauren where he has this other guy that he thought he had a thing with named Mitchell but Mitchell's a straight guy but he's like bro just because I fuck around with a dude every once in a while this is not going to be a long time thing for me like get lost you know and uh so so Paul really wants Sean and there's this really funny dynamic between Sean telling stories about it start Sean and Paul start off the same start off uh I don't know about a third of the way through the book where they're both drunk at a party and Paul is just like, we should go out and get like Mexican food sometime or something, some random ass shit like that. And Sean's just like drunk. And it's just those classic, like when you're drunk at a party and you just agree to things that aren't in the current moment. So it doesn't matter ever. Like you can yeah. just agree to something. Cause it's that, that day is never going to come apparently. Uh, and Sean's like, yeah, sure. So then when Paul decides, you know, Paul through Paul's story, it sounds like this crazy deal. Like, Oh man, like, this is going to be so exciting. Like Sean, Sean's not going to know what hit him. I'm going to work my magic on him. We're going to go there. Um, but then of course, Paul's little gay friend has an overdose and um, that's fucking him up. And Paul's like, doesn't even care about his friend. He probably does. He doesn't really think his friend's even going to die. Um, he's worried more about the music in the car than, than, and being late to this uh, Mexican food thing. And he's like, man, Sean's probably just sitting there with a with a with a margarita no no he's drinking a beer he wouldn't drink a margarita he's like really like fantasizing in his head he's just sitting there waiting for me and this is going to be terrible and then it turns out like sean didn't even go like he was like i, I literally forgot that i even agreed to that and <laughs> and it's just it's just like you know not to get too far into paul there but like it's just this idea like i i think if you're a gay guy you i i, I always wondered how like gay guys view this book like do they do they think paul is more is more right or do they are they gay enough to know that like nah Paul's just like lying gay guy. 
You just listened to a preview of one of our premium episodes. And to get access to the full thing, you got to be a paid subscriber to the Rare Candy Substack. That's rarecandy.substack.com. It's only $5 a month or $55 for the whole year. You get one month free if you do the whole year. You get access to premium Rare Candy episodes, my podcast, The Glenn Word, and whatever the hell else we want to charge people for. Uh, Again, that's rarecandy.substack.com. Thanks again.